Good morning. Uh, a very warm welcome to you all uh, to this, our service of worship. Uh, it's great to have you all with us this morning, uh, especially if you're watching online. It's great you've been able to join us. If you're new here this morning, uh, please do uh, join us for a cup of coffee after the service. It'd be great to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, this morning, Neil's going to be continuing our sermon series looking at John, and this morning, uh, We'll be looking at John 6:25 through 40. Come and see the one who gives life to the world. Let's just take a moment to to ready our hearts. I want you to consciously, at home as well, think about the distractions that are filling your mind at the moment. Got to go back to school. The challenges of work. The pressures of family. These are the things that you're holding on to at the moment. And now I want you to just turn your hands down and deliberately uh, let those distractions go. Okay, just let them go. And now if you turn your hands up, readying ourselves to pray. So let's just uh, close our eyes and bow our heads and let me pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the one who gives us life. Help us as we journey through the service to be attentive to your spirit's work in our minds and our hearts. We pray that you would draw us close to you and your word would remind us afresh of who you are. Stir our hearts and lead us to know more of you. I pray that you would set our hearts ablaze with love for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. The psalmist wrote, The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high? Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we do come before you in worship, acknowledging that you are enthroned above the heavens, and that you created the universe and everything in it. And you are sovereign. Nothing takes you by surprise. And you alone are God. We thank you, Lord, that you are not far away. You are intimately involved in what is going on in this world. And and so we lift up our government to you, our prime minister, his advisors, MPs. Even though most of them may not acknowledge you or ask you for wisdom. But we pray that... In your mercy, you will enable them to make wise decisions and govern justly. Pray for our country as we move out of COVID restrictions and that you will give us all patience and understanding in our relations with other people. We pray, too, for the situation in Ukraine. We ask that you will bring peace to that land. We pray for the leaders of Ukraine and Russia and, indeed, other countries of the world that All will have wisdom and restraint. We pray especially for your people in Ukraine, that their lives will demonstrate their trust in you and the peace that only you can give. Thank you for churches there who are sharing the hope of the gospel while ministering to people around them in practical ways with food, um, first aid training, 
demonstrating your compassion and care. And we pray that that in itself will, will point people to you. Thank you, too, for the part that you've given us as a church in bringing the good news of Jesus to the world. Thank you for bringing John and Abby back safely from Nigeria. We pray that you will give them good rest and refreshment during their time here. We thank you for the Ku family, their role with Wycliffe, translating your word into the Ayal language. Thank you for what... uh, Mark and Kathy have been able to do with their Josiah Fund. Thank you for Josiah, the trust that he showed in you um, during the time of his cancer and all that he faced with that. We thank you for uh, his desire to uh, honor you with um, his resources, with his life, with his words, with his attitudes. We thank you for his desire to be a support to other children Uh, facing similar situations uh, in other parts of the world, and especially Africa. Thank you for uh, the link with the Mangas. Thank you for the clinic that they're able to build and to be a minister, uh, to ministry not only to people's physical health, but in bringing the gospel and places where uh, medical help is uh, not readily available. So we thank you for the the blessing that this clinic will be um, to the people in that area. Thank you for the support of the village chief and uh, his uh, support in in having that clinic as well. And for the partnership with UFM, uh, thank you for the way that we can work together with them to bring that about. And we thank you now that we can come together uh, here in the building or watching at home to worship you, to hear your word, and to fellowship with each other. We pray for Thelma as she reads the word to us, for Neil as he preaches from it, that in both you will speak through your Holy Spirit and give each of us receptive hearts and minds to receive your truth and apply it in our own lives. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our reading this morning is from the Gospel of John. Chapter 6, verses 25 to 40. When the crowd found Jesus on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
So they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Thanks very much, Thelma. Good morning, everybody. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Father God, we thank you that you have sent Jesus into this world as the bread of life, the bread of heaven. And we pray now that we would feed on him in our hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Amen. Well, it's been a terrible week, as you know, for world peace and uh, security. And our prayers go out to the people of uh, Ukraine, whose lives have been devastated by the invasion um, of their country by Russian troops. I wonder if you were in their situation. Uh, What is it you would be most worried about? What would you be most afraid about? What is it that you would be praying for most wholeheartedly? I guess the, the, the greatest fear for most people would be the possibility of losing everything that is most precious to you. Your freedom, your home and belongings, your family, and maybe even your life. And so if there was someone who could come and defend you against all these aggressors and protect all those things that are precious to you, I'm sure you would welcome them with, with open arms. 2,000 years ago, Judea was under occupation by a a foreign country, the Romans, who exploited people through taxation, ruled over them through megalomaniacs like King Herod, who ordered the massacre of every male child under two years old at the time of Jesus' birth. Romans were the ones who devised the form of death called crucifixion. And so Jews at the time were waiting desperately for the Messiah, who they believed would bring them freedom, freedom from these foreign imperialists. And when Jesus came onto the scene, um, he brought them hope. After the miracle of the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000 we looked at a couple of weeks ago, they started to wonder, maybe this was their man. We read back in verse 24 that they wanted to make him king by force, whether he liked it or not. And so Jesus and his disciples set off across the lake. And when the crowd realized the following morning they'd gone, they disappeared. They set off after him. But when they found him on the other side of the lake, Jesus said to them this. He said, very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, uh, uh, what they were interested in was Jesus satisfying their immediate needs. They saw a miracle 
and someone they thought could give them exactly what they needed. He could be their new revolutionary leader. They'd misunderstood what Jesus' miracle symbolized. It was a sign pointing to Jesus being the bread of life. He was saying that as God, yes, I can provide for your physical needs. I've done that. I did that for your ancestors in the wilderness through providing them with manna. But I can provide you. I came now to provide you with something far more important. Something will provide satisfaction for your souls forever. I've come to bring you eternal life. We're in the middle of a sermon series in the Gospel of John in which we're being invited to come and see, come and see the man called Jesus. And so far we've seen that he is an amazing person who is the one who knows everything about us. He's the one who does more than than signs. He he can make us well. He is equal with God. He is the one who meets all of our needs. The one who takes away our fear. And as we'll see this, this morning, he's the one who brings life to the world. It's a long conversation here in this, uh, this part of the chapter, from running from verse 25 to the end of the chapter. But in many ways, verse 27 is a summary of what Jesus says. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. That's the verse we're going to focus on this morning. We're going to break it down into three sections. We're going to start with the fact that he calls us to not work for food that spoils. Food is a wonderful gift, isn't it, that uh, God has given us, not just to sustain our bodies, but to to enjoy. So why there are so many different herbs and spices that God has given us to create different flavors and dishes. That's why there are food fairs up and down the country. That's why there are so many food programs on TV. And why we invite one another to enjoy a meal in our homes. Not just just to enjoy their company, of course, that's the main thing, but also to enjoy food. That's why also it's been hard for those who've lost their taste as a result of COVID. But however much we enjoy a meal, we will need to eat another one again. That's why the Jews here ask Jesus in verse 34, always give us this bread, give us a permanent supply of this food so we won't need to have any worries about where the next meal is coming from. And Jesus replies by saying, do not work for food that spoils. In other words, do not focus on things that give you temporary satisfaction. It's not that they're bad, but they can't give you lasting satisfaction. Is he just referring to food? Well, no, food is meant to be a metaphor for anything in this world which will not last, which will have to be replaced. For example, clothes or homes or furnishings, um, entertainment, our holidays, all good things given for our enjoyment, but which will not last. However tasty a meal may be, we will still need to eat something else the following day. Or in the case of our boys, probably about half an hour later. (laughs) However gripping a film may be, we'll probably have forgotten about it, most of it, the following week. Or maybe even the next day, if you're trying to tell somebody what happened in it. However state-of-the-art a new gadget may be, however fashionable an item of clothing may be, the following year it will already be out of date. 
however exciting and restful a holiday may be, after a few days back at work, we'll be feeling we need another break. However entertaining a game of rugby may be, we'll probably have forgotten the result by the following week, unless, of course, it's England beating Wales. But if we rely on these things for our satisfaction, then we will be disappointed. And if that is all we have for our enjoyment, there will be a constant hole in our inner being that needs somehow to be filled. God may have given us these things for our enjoyment, but they are not meant for our long-term satisfaction. Jesus contrasts the food that spoils by saying, work instead for the food that endures to eternal life. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, they said these words, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink or about your body, what you wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus came not just to feed our bodies, but to feed our souls. Although most people are focused on the the physical and uh, material things of life, the food that spoils, they do also have a spiritual awareness, don't they? People do think about issues of life and death. They do think about eternity. They do want a a, a supernatural experience uh, because they struggle with the superficiality of life. The lack of permanent satisfaction. One of the Rolling Stones' most well-known songs is, I can't get no satisfaction. And there's that haunting refrain where uh, he sings, I try and I try and I try and I try. So people look for a more spiritual experience. They do that in different ways, don't they? The Beatles um, uh, try drugs to attain some sort of level of, of consciousness. They went to India to try out transcendental meditation. The trouble is that an experience that is is drug-induced or induced through meditation or any other means is still a temporary experience. It won't provide lasting satisfaction and may in fact leave us more empty afterwards than we were before. It just becomes an experience that we need to keep repeating to get that same satisfaction. And it won't help us when we die. How do these experiences compare with what Jesus offers? Well, Jesus offers the food that endures to eternal life. Life is written all over this chapter. 18 times it is mentioned. So what is it? What is this life that Jesus is offering? Well, as the name it suggests, first of all, it is a life that lasts forever. Three times Jesus says of those who believe in him, he says, I will raise them up. At the last day, death won't be the end for believers. There won't be a last day for them because the the last day of this earth will be the beginning of the new heavens and the new earth, a new life with Christ that will last forever. But the eternal life that uh, Jesus promises is not just about living forever. Because if you're in permanent pain, then lasting forever is actually not something very pleasant. It's also about complete satisfaction. Jesus says in verse 35, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. 
And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Food and drink satisfy our, our hunger and thirst. It's wonderful to eat when we're feeling hungry. It's wonderful to drink when we're, we're thirsty. What Jesus is offering is something that will provide complete and permanent satisfaction. But we won't de- don't need to keep looking for another experience. Where does that satisfaction come from? Well, what does it look like? Well, it comes through a perfect relationship. What is the most satisfying thing that we can experience in this life? Isn't it uh, a healthy relationship? For some, it may be a husband or a wife. For others, it may be a close friendship or a number of friendships. It's often not what we do that gives us satisfaction, but who we do it with. The trouble is, however satisfying human relationships may be, they are not perfect, are they? Because none of us is perfect. We get easily irritated, even with our our husband or wife or our closest friends. Because we're so focused on our needs and not on their needs. Even sex, which is designed by God to be a mutually satisfying experience in the context of a committed, loving relationship, is used by many to satisfy their own needs and becomes a disappointment. God, however, is perfect in his love for those he's made. And so he offers a perfect relationship and complete satisfaction in that relationship. John seventeen thirteen explains clearly what this is. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Okay, so what do you think? This sounds great. Um, I want that complete and eternal satisfaction that, that comes from knowing Jesus, but, but how do I get it? How do I get it? <clears throat> well, Jesus carries on to say, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. This is the question that Jesus were asking in verse 28. They ask, what must we do to do the work God requires? In other words, how can we, we earn our salvation? Because we know there's nothing, there's no such thing as a free lunch, is there? Just tell us what we need to do and we'll make sure we, we do it. But the question itself reveals, doesn't it, man's obsession with demonstrating that he can do anything himself. He doesn't need anybody's help. He's, he's in control of, of his life. But Jesus says the food that endures to eternal life is the food that the Son of Man will give you. You don't need to do any works. It is a free gift. The food he gives is himself. I am the bread of life, he says. And so he's giving himself to us. It's a gift that ultimately comes from the Father, as he says in verse 32. It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. We've already seen in this sermon series in John that Jesus is equal with God the Father, even though he performs a different role. But if Jesus is the bread of life and he's a gift from the Father, what do the people then need to do to receive the food that endures to eternal life? 
What do we need to do today to receive uh, the food that endures to eternal life? Well, in verse 29, Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Believe in Jesus. In verse 40, Jesus says, My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. To believe in Jesus is to believe that he's not just a man, but that he is also God who came down from earth, from heaven to earth in human form. As God, he lived a perfect human life in total obedience to the Father, the life that we should have lived. And shockingly, as God, he willingly died the death that we deserve to live. He died it in our place. And if we believe that Jesus' death was the only way that we can be made right with God, if we believe that in his uh, resurrection he defeated sin and death, if we promise to submit to his rule over our lives, then we can enjoy that gift of eternal life. That is what Jesus means when he says later in verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. To eat the bread of life is to believe in Jesus, is to submit to him as Lord of our lives. And as we do so, we will experience and enjoy eternal life. Well, it seems like uh, an easy thing to do. But the sad thing is that many of the Jews here for them, it was just too hard. As Jesus says to them in verse 36, you have seen me and still you do not believe. Stop grumbling, he says to them. Jesus has done some incredible things already by this stage. He's, he's healed people. He's fed uh, 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. But they still do not believe he is who he says he is. As far as their concerns, it says here, he's just a son of a carpenter from Nazareth. They know his parents, Joseph and Mary. How can he claim to come from heaven and be on a par with God? Some people today say, why doesn't God just show himself more clearly to people? We can't get more, much more clear than God coming to, to earth, coming in human form to reveal himself to humankind doing miracles in front of people, raising people to life, dying himself and coming back to life. If people don't want to believe, they will find reasons not to. And just as people then did not believe, so today there are many people who've been introduced to, to Jesus who do not believe. But as we looked uh, last Sunday evening, the way the Bible describes our state before we become Christians is that we are blind, we are dead, we are enslaved, uh, we are powerless to do anything about that in our own strength. It is only Jesus who can open our eyes, who can bring us to life, who can set us free. And that is the greatest miracle of all, the miracle of new birth, of spiritual life. That is God's work of grace. As Jesus says in verse 42, no one 
can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. On verse 65, no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. The Father enabled the disciples to come to him, to believe in him. And later on in chapter 17 of John, uh, Jesus prays to the Father. He prays this prayer. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Well, the question for us all as we finish is, are you satisfied with your life? If not, and you have been looking in many different places for that satisfaction, uh, or even if you're just vaguely content with your life, come to Jesus and ask him for the gift of eternal life, a life of complete satisfaction in a perfect relationship with God that will last forever. Instead of trying to prove yourself to God, ask God to have mercy on you. Open your eyes to see who Jesus really is and take hold of the gift that he is offering in Jesus. Maybe you do already believe, but you don't feel fully satisfied. Maybe it is because you are feeding too much on the food that spoils the food of this world. You're looking for your satisfaction in the things of this world. You're hoping for a deeper greater experience than the experience you can have with Jesus Christ. Or maybe even though you know that um, eternal life is a free gift, you still feel that you somehow need to do something to earn it, and you feel inadequate. Focus on the words of Ephesians 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast feed on Jesus. He wants to bless you. He wants to enable you to enjoy your relationship with him. Spend time with him, getting to know him more deeply through his word, praying with him. Look at your prayer life. How much of it is focused on asking him to provide for your short-term physical needs? And how much on seeking to grow in your relationship with him? Don't be satisfied with, with snacking on Jesus when you can feast on him. We leave you with these words from Psalm 63 to finish. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the the wonderful free gift that you have given us the gift of Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, 
the bread of life. Thank you that we don't need to to work for food that spoils. We know that many of the things in this world that uh, are there for our enjoyment won't give us lasting satisfaction. So help us to treat them in the way we should treat them. But thank you instead that we can endure, we can enjoy the food that endures to eternal life. Thank you for that gift of a life that will last forever, of complete satisfaction. Thank you for that gift of a perfect relationship with you and your Son and your Holy Spirit. Father, for those here this morning who've not yet tasted that gift, we pray that uh, you would enable them to see the wonderful gift that Jesus is for them. And Lord, for all of us, for those who have already enjoyed that wonderful gift, Lord, help us to grow in our enjoyment of Jesus, to grow in our knowledge of him, to go deeper in our relationship with him, to to grasp fully his love for us and all that he's done for us on the cross. For the many promises he continues to, to give us, the many blessings that we can enjoy. Lord, help us to feast on him, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, that does bring us uh, to the end of our service. If God has spoken to you this morning, it's my prayer that he has and you need prayer. Uh, please do pray with the person that you came with uh, or grab uh, Neil, Colin or myself. It uh, be a privilege to pray with you, but uh, don't leave uh, without uh, praying or being prayed. Uh, do join us after the service for tea and coffee uh, in the hall. It would be great to catch up uh, with you as well. Uh, some words from 1 Timothy Uh, Chapter 1, verse 17, Paul writes these words of truth uh, and of encouragement for us. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.